Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Julie Gould and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Welcome to the series Beyond Academia, where we explore the movement of people between academia and other sectors. First things first, what is porosity? I first heard this term when I was talking with David Bogle, Pro Vice Provost of the Doctoral School at University College London, almost one year ago. It wasn't a term I'd ever heard before, so I asked him what it means. The movement of people between academia and roles beyond academia it doesn't only need to be industry, it can be government, it can be charitables, the third sector, small companies, policy, whatever it might be. But I'm really mostly talking about taking the skills and experience through uh, and having that to be porous between academic roles and roles beyond academia. Although this may not be new information, it can still be hard to hear. For most people who enter the world of academia, end up leaving. Yet even though many people make this leap, I'm sure you're aware that it isn't an easy one. Chris Walston is a journalist who writes regularly for Nature Careers and is the editorial lead for the Global Annual Surveys of Working Scientists. In 2021, he reported on salary and job satisfaction and how careers in industry and academia compare. And he said that there are a lot of barriers across the membrane between the two worlds. It's not just a membrane. There's all kinds of systems that are in place that keep people where they're at. They feel a lot of pressure from the people around them to stay where they're at. They get encouragement from people around them to stay where they're at. They at least know it. It's a known quantity. And everything on the other side of that membrane is an unknown quantity. And even if they have friends who have been over there and they can talk about it, they still may not be completely sure about making that transition. But it is clear that the systems and barriers can be broken, says Soren Bregenholt, the CEO of the Sweden-based biotech company Alligator Bioscience. I think the flow from, from academia to industry, uh, that happens. That's how we all ended up in, uh, in the industry. I think, I think the other way around uh, is probably more difficult and, uh, and uh, needs some help. Joan Cordner spent several decades working in industry before becoming the interim head of department at the Department of Chemical and Biological Engineering at the University of Sheffield in the UK in 2020. 
After finishing her undergraduate degree in chemical engineering, Joan spent just over three decades working with the same company. Although the company did change its name quite frequently, starting as ICI and at the end it was Syngenta. Joan said that one of the toughest challenges for people who want to make this move, the one where you try to get back into academia, is to persuade the academics that they really, really want you on their team. It, in, a, in a sense, you, you have to be a, a square peg fits in a square hole. And if you're a round peg, you have to convince people that you can become square or they need a round peg. What she means here is that those doing the hiring for academic positions, the square holes, traditionally look for academics or square pegs to fill those positions. Now, if you're someone who has spent some time away from academia, aka a round peg, you need to show them that you can provide extra skills that make it a perfect fit, that you can be a square peg. Or what you need to do is to show them that they need someone with industry skills, knowledge and experience. The round peg. So the membrane has round holes and square holes and I imagine many other shaped holes too. But the more I talk to people about this concept of porosity, the more I realise that it's more complicated than just fitting the right people through the right holes and back again. UK entrepreneur and technology transfer professional Nessa Carey, whose career has straddled academia and industry, including a senior role at Pfizer, agrees. I think it's more sophisticated than that now because I think what we're seeing is such a huge emphasis on collaborating between industry and academia and we're also seeing more use of placements. So I think what we're seeing is a lot more back and forth between the sectors that's breaking down some of the barriers that used to exist. So I think you, you can take it from a real extreme of are you in industry or are you in academia to what's actually happening at that interface between the two. What Nessa is referring to here is a collaboration between the sectors, how academics and those outside of academia are working together on projects, and importantly, with the same goals. These collaborations aren't easy to manage, she says. Academics and those working outside have very different working cultures that quite often clash. But the most important thing is to make sure that expectations are set at the beginning of the conversations. It's really important that everybody's very honest at the beginning about what they want out of it. There's no good, for example, academics saying, yes, yes, we want to get into this. And yes, we completely understand what industry wants when really what they're thinking is mm, this might be a slightly easier way of getting money. And once the project started, it can go where it likes, because, of course, we're all going to follow the science. That's not what happens. You know, I've chaired some of these sorts of collaborations um, and have had to be the person saying, you're right, that is a really interesting finding. And within this project, we're not continuing to investigate it. You know, I'm sure we can find a way of handling the intellectual property so you can go off and do that separately. But that's not what we're aiming for in this programme. So why is porosity so important? Well, when you look a bit more closely at what is happening between the two sectors, you'll find that some really big players are interested in taking it down. Joan Cordner, who we heard from a little earlier, is getting involved in conversations with the powers that be over how academic science is funded and analysed here in the UK. The people involved in this are the leaders of the funding bodies, the UK government and deans and presidents of UK-based universities. And porosity is a big part of that conversation. I think it's actually fundamental for the success for the country. How do we make sure that we really are the research powerhouse we deserve to be? 
Well, part of that, and it's only part of it, we always need underwriting fundamental signs, but part of that is making an impact. Here, impact means how is the basic science that is done in academic institutions going to solve some of the challenges we face as humans? Vaccines against pandemics, climate change, food scarcity, the list goes on. And so in academia, the impact metrics, so the KF knowledge exchange metrics, are becoming more important. These metrics come from the Knowledge Exchange Framework, or KEF, which has an aim to increase efficiency and effectiveness in the use of public funding for knowledge exchange, to let businesses and other users outside of the academic world access this knowledge and expertise that are embedded in English universities. In the REF, the impact stories are, are now uh, part of the REF and, and getting more prominence. The REF, or Research Excellent Framework, is a system used in the UK to assess the quality of academic research and thus inform the selective allocation of research funding. There are three main sections to this assessment. The quality of outputs, for example, publications, performances and exhibitions. The environment that supports the research. And finally, the impact beyond academia. The way the country is moving and the way the metrics for academics are moving are in the right way to drive more porosity. So as this topic is right at the forefront of people's minds, I thought it might be a good time to see if we can shine a light on it, on what some of the challenges and barriers are to porosity and how to overcome them, but also on how the sectors are working together in different ways to further our knowledge and to take on some of those big global challenges that we face. So when David Bogle from UCL first approached me with this concept of porosity with respect to the movement of people, I was immediately imagining this literal, slightly flexible membrane that surrounds universities with a variety of different shaped holes in it, depending on which department of the university you came from. The bigger the hole, the more people that moved from academia to the beyond. And back again, the smaller the hole, the fewer people moved. But also the harder it is to move. And it turns out that this isn't a bad way to visualise it. So keep this image in your mind as you listen to the series, as I hope that with some of the conversations I share, I can make some of those holes bigger and maybe explore what it would be like if there wasn't a membrane at all. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.